Welcome to the Wealthy Circle Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into this year's finalists and winners from our wealthmanagement.com 2020 Industry Awards. These interviews cover the challenges, innovations, and trends in the wealth management industry and the individuals working to help advisors better help their clients. Hello, and welcome to the Wealthies Podcast. I'm David Armstrong, the Executive Director of Content for WealthManagement.com, and this is the podcast where we speak to winners of our annual WealthManagement.com awards. As you know, these awards are uh, recognized efforts and initiatives from firms that help financial advisors build better businesses and better serve their clients. And joining me today, I'm thrilled, Jennifer Baccarella. Jennifer is the Director of Firm Development for Sigma Financial. Jennifer, thanks a lot for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So Sigma this year won a big winner uh, this year in a couple of categories, including the Small Broker Dealer for Thought Leadership around some next-gen issues, and for your community service program, uh, providing pro bono financial planning to military veterans. And I want to touch on both of those, but uh, first, let me just say congratulations on the win. Thank you. I, uh, I definitely missed being in New York. Uh, we've been there, you know, multiple years. It's the only red carpet I ever get to walk. <laughs> I know, it's great. <laughs> I enjoy seeing all of the faces um, from all of the other nominees there. So, um, but you guys did an amazing job doing it virtual this year. But well, we, 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 <laughs> we, we learned a lot. Let's put it that way. We were ambitious, yeah. but uh, we, <laughs> believe me, no one is looking forward to going back to a live event more than I am. Believe me. <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's just jump right in. The thought leadership that uh, you guys were recognized for, that the judges recognized you for, uh, on around next gen issues, next gen fusion. I think the program is called. Yeah. What was the uh, what's the what's the, the I think we all know sort of the next gen problem that the wealth management industry has, but characterize it for us as you guys saw it at Sigma that led you to launch some of these programs to try to rectify it. Yeah, definitely. And one of the interesting things, I've been um, at this firm for 26 years, and uh, I started here when I was 20. So um, the next gen... You were I, a next gen. Yeah, I was the next gen, you know. And um, I looked at what my own personal path was um, into the financial industry. And then, you know, I now look at that same path and think, wow, not a lot has changed, you know, in, the, in those years. Um, it's not talked a lot about at, you know, different um, college programs of, you know, when people are looking to get into finance, there's, you know, a couple different paths, but, you know, is there really this strong need or conversation with the next generation about why being an advisor is important? I know um, I have a, my oldest is in college and going through finance classes and a lot of things around research and analysis and ESG and all of that stuff, which is all really extremely important, but, but there's not a lot of talk about how to be, you know, an end advisor delivering all of those things, you know, to uh, clients that are out there. And so my, my thought pattern in this was um, sitting on a lot of different boards and, you know, just kind of having conversations with other individuals, you know, that the topic constantly is diversity and inclusion and, you know, the aging industry that we have And that problem just continues to to get worse when you look at some of like the FINRA and the SEC numbers where firms are consolidating and there's just not a lot of, you know, new advisors coming in out there. So, you know, the conversation was like, where do we go with this? And, and where do we get the support to help us do this? And it was really exciting to team up with our 
custodial partner, which is uh, Fidelity Clearing and Custody Solutions, and kind of talk through this conversation because it's something that they they see, um, you know, at the custodian level as well. And we um, we were lucky enough to get a grant from them to be able to go to some of our local universities and be able to talk about being an advisor as a profession and why it's so important, but also to not really spend a ton of time talking about what the things that people think being an advisor is, but really more focusing on the relationship part of you know, the advisor client really, you know, client relationship that can build. And you know, we've had the chance now to be at five different colleges and um in front of groups of finance students and being able to say, you know, not only do I work in a broker dealer, but I also wear an advisor hat. And the reason I wear an advisor hat is because I love the relationship with clients. And let me tell you what that looks like. And all at once you saw the spark in their eyes because they were like, wait a minute, you, you end up being like friends, you know, you up, you know, being involved in these clients' lives, their their dreams, their goals. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, it's one of those things where pay attention in your psychology classes because it is going to be your best benefit, you know, or tool in your in your toolbox, so to speak, of being able to sit down with a client and be able to just develop a conversation, then develop a relationship. And once that happens, then you can put the things in place that are necessary to help them plan out their future, you know, with their financial plan. And when they started to think about, they're like, oh, this is not like economics and trying to find the best stock and, you know, the best mutual fund or the best money manager. And I said, well, yeah, that's part of the puzzle. But the the big thing in the beginning is just, you know, creating this relationship. And, and I think what we do a really bad job of in this industry is talking about how it's not always about how well you do for the client or, you know, what percentage return over the benchmark or things like that. You're a lot of times clients just care that you're there to pick up the phone or to be able to answer their questions or to get them in touch with the things that they need to help build out their future. And when we were able to like open that conversation up, yeah, I had so many of them come up to me afterwards and said, you know, I thought my path was working in a back office, like broker dealer doing compliance, or I thought my path was being maybe a wholesaler or, you know, working for a large financial firm and mm-hmm like that. And they're like, but now, you know, I'm starting to think maybe that's something I'm interested in. And then when I can team it with the fact of that our industry is aging at a pretty rapid pace and how the need for succession plans is so prevalent and whether, you know, you're coming on assisting the advisor and then becoming part of that financial team that helps those clients. And like, you know, it's just such a great you know, um, combination. And then when I can go back to my advisors and say, Hey, you know, what's your succession plan and what are you looking for? And they're like, I don't know where to turn, you know, or son or my daughter's not interested in getting in the business. And then I can be able to, you know, create those introductions. That's really where the next gen fusion started and where it's evolving to. And I'm so thankful that Fidelity saw my vision and was like, you know, how can we help you do this? And the final thing 
that we did in that whole thing was take out the one stumbling block that happens with a new advisor. It's so expensive to join mm-hmm. industry licenses, um, getting with a firm that's willing to sponsor you for different things, the study materials. I mean, you're talking right off the bat, somebody's got to make a three to $5,000 investment just to get, you know, approved with all the different licenses and that. And so what we did was in partnering with Fidelity was we were able to say to these new advisors coming into the business, not only are we going to help be your sponsor, but we're going to buy your study materials. We are going to pay for your exams. We're then registered. We're going to pay your first annual errors and admissions premium. And and what we're going to do is include you into a community with a firm we started working with called APEG that helps brand new advisors understand like all of the data you just learned in taking those tests. Now, how do you implement it? You know, how do you sit down and present that to a client? And so the next gen fusion thing is just something I'm super passionate about because I feel like I've worked all of those steps in my lifetime and I want to be able to take that passion that I've learned and be able to say like, this is a great industry, but don't forget about being an advisor and what you can do. And I know in the end, when I sit down with clients and I, you know, clients that have been with me 20 some years and I'm able to like help them, you know, start their retirement plan, but then also help them finish it and put it into effect and help their kids go off to college that we started 529s for. When I start talking about those personal relationships, people just get really excited because it changes this industry from being so analytical to relationship oriented. And it just brings in a whole different class, you know, that of people that could, could want to be future advisors. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think um, one of the things that you've done there, which is so impressive, is that you actually did address some of those stumbling blocks, because you're right, everybody talks about the next gen problem, and how, you know, it's really important that uh, advisors bring in next gen advisors to a uh, succession plan and, and bring younger blood into the industry. Um, but not addressing those blocks that are there to do it. One being uh, the perception, which I think you found on college campuses, which I'm still bewildered about, is that the people see the financial advice industry, even though it's financial advisors and financial planning, as being more transactional based and sales approach. And and I don't know, you know, why young kids see the industry that way. Well, I guess I do. I mean, traditionally, that's that's been a large part of the industry, right? Cold calling, selling, uh, transactional in nature. Uh, and why it's taking, but why it's taking so long for the perception amongst young people uh, about this industry to change as rapidly as the industry itself has changed. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Hollywood doesn't make movies um, about the advisor yeah. that <laughs> somebody and, you know, helps them with every little, little element to their planning and how that relationship evolves. You know, it's like the movies that are out there, Wolf of Wall Street and Boiler Room, although right. very entertaining and, um, you know, amazing theatrical performances. They're nothing of what our industry is like. I mean, I remember when a lot of those movies come out and just had clients go, hey, have you... <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> I haven't. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's really not that exciting from the standpoint of the way Hollywood makes it be. It's not from the standpoint of all the things that we can do because 
clients put money with us. It's more of the fact of all the things that our clients can do and plan in their future because we helped partner with them. And I'm like, and that's where Hollywood, you know, gets it, gets it, you know, completely wrong. But yeah, there's just nothing, you know, there's nothing really cool out there that talks about things. So we as advisors, we have to start being advocates and talking about our industry openly. You know, so many times I see advisors put out in like social media and things like that, talking about just, you know, Roth IRAs or, you know, how to invest in the pandemic or things like that. And it's like, that's great. Um, but more so like talk about your individual client relationships and how you helped a client, you know, even budget plan, something simple, you know, how you helped their son or daughter, you know, start investing and where, where to go with that. And then maybe even the evolution of a client relationship. And like when people see that stuff and they see like real case scenarios, then they identify with that. And that's the problem. We have an identity problem in this industry because what we're doing is so relationship and psychological based. We're just helping people stay the course or when it's time to change the course, helping them plan for that. And it just sounds boring, but it's, it's not, it's just so, um, it's so rewarding. And I think as advisors, that's where we've done the industry a disservice is because we, we need to like, you know, be talking more about that and just how we really feel like we've, we've helped a lot of people. Let me ask you this. And do the universities or colleges, uh, play a little bit of a role here? Because I, and when we were doing a, a list of the uh, CFP uh, curriculum on campus, uh, you know, degree granting financial planning courses uh, at universities and colleges, I was amazed at how often these programs were not in the business school or even adjacent to the business school. They would be off in some like human ecology department or some, you know, uh, uh, is, is there some disconnect on the college campuses that you found uh, where they don't really know how to where the college administrators themselves don't know how to present or or house these programs. Yeah, I mean, unless you have a professor that's wearing a dual hat that, you know, it was an advisor or still actively an advisor and they are just passionate about, you know, academia and creating that education to the next generation, you know, you have that disconnect because what they're doing is teaching material and they're teaching, you know, how to set up a financial plan and how to do, you know, tax planning and all of those types of things. And the greatest thing is that, you know, as broker dealers, our job is to be the technician in the back office and be able to support our advisor with all of those things. And what, what we want them to do is build the best relationship they can. And I don't know if you can teach relationship, you know, and being, a good listener and also like how to be comprehensive, you know, how to talk about when somebody presents you a problem, like being, being, you know, very transparent of saying like, these are all the ways that this can go wrong. You know, this is a way that this can go right, but this might be some of the other paths we go down in. And I think a lot of times in, in the collegiate world, you know, how do you teach that? You know, and so you have to have somebody that's extremely passionate about this industry, but I think has been in this industry and said it wasn't the numbers. It wasn't the ticker every day, you know, that kept me involved. It was the excitement of sitting down with somebody and being able to help solve a problem. So 
You know, I think it's like, where do we classify it? Is it math? You know, does it belong in the math department? And like you said, does it belong in like the human interaction or, you know, all these different, right. they don't know where to put it because it kind of doesn't, you know, fit anywhere. And so what I found is that the organizations or the colleges that are doing the best by it is the fact of the ones that are really trying to help people plan for what comes after college. So I think a lot of times in, in college, it's about getting through that degree. And then, you know, the, the basically, you know, the admin department helps them be able to find a job or queue up their resume or things like that. But I think it's the colleges that are saying like, okay, what do you do with this afterwards? And why is this information important? And I think that's where universities are falling short because I find that a lot of people that get a finance degree and they come in this industry, there's so many different avenues that they could go down that they really need that mentor to be able to help them to go into the you know right direction. And they can wear a ton of different hats. I wore a ton of different hats in this industry before I landed where I was at. But um, I think we can help the colleges out a lot that are in our area by being a resource to them of either, you know, having the internships or the mentorships or being able to be a hiring source. Um, so I don't know if colleges can figure it out, but it would be great if they could team up with industry partners like us to help there. Sure. And let me say, the program that you put in place there, is this something that's uh, sustainable? You've got a grant from Fidelity to do it. Is it going to continue in its iteration? And, and uh, you say you're working with five colleges now. Is that is that the plan for the near future as well? Yeah. So um, the pandemic, you know, as it sure. did with everybody, you know, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because we're so focused on where we're going. We've been doing, you know, a lot of different video calls in with, um, you know, either individuals or with different colleges. And so right now they're all just trying to figure out what this study abroad, so to speak, looks yeah. like in their world. And so we have hit a little bit of, um, you know, a blip on the radar, but it's something that we're like, actually we're so much more open now because being able to be on a Zoom call and where you can get everyone logged in, I mean, that's amazing. And I keep telling people like the opportunity is so amazing right now. Let's just do a Zoom call and have it be a question and answer session and, um, you know, give a little bit of, um, a real life look into being an advisor or working in a back office of a broker dealer. So I'm hoping, you know, to keep pushing in within the universities to get that number to expand in this next semester, because, you know, these kids are still going to school and, you know, and they're not kids, their adults are still going to school mm -hmm. and they're going to graduate. And we can't give up on the fact of just helping them to that milestone. And is the plan to uh, potentially, and, and maybe you have already, uh, place some of these kids in paying jobs in your advisor's offices. Yeah, that's that's our excitement around that. We've um, we've placed four. Um, two of them are in a back office, and two are in um, advisor's office. And so my goal in 2021 is to place 20. Um, we've been putting a lot of different feelers out there and, um, you know, there's a lot, we're coming up on graduation season in which we were kind of, you know, beat up by this year in April and May, um, everything that was going on. And so we're looking to hit the ground running in January and be able to find 
20 of those opportunities. Um, at my firm alone, you know, I have identified 40 to 50 advisors that might be retiring in the next two to three years that don't have a succession plan in place. And so what I want to be able to do is one, they may be retiring earlier than they want to just because of the workload and the changing environment and technology. Um, being able to get a advisor in there that can be a part of the team with them that can help with technology or that can help them, um, you know, attach, attach to their clients in a different way, may even create longevity in their own personal, you know, life. I, every time I place a young advisor into an advisor's office looking for a succession plan, it adds three to five years to their career. And the reason being is because they so much look at the lack of support and the lack of direction in their business as being possibly a reason to retire and to sell their but when I can get them to be a mentor and to team up with somebody, then, you know, it, it kind of breathes life into them. And that's a good and a bad thing. Um, the reason it's a bad thing is sometimes the new advisor that I'm bringing in, they're thinking that their plan is, you know, three year of mentorship, and then they're going to buy out this practice and move on. And when, you know, the, the, um, the, the selling advisors like, oh, I love it. Aren't we a great team? I think I'm going to hang on for a little yeah. bit. <laughs> you know, they look at it and go, well, wait a minute, that wasn't part of the plan. So those are some of the things we talk about when we do the succession plan is I, I let the advisor know like, hey, this is going to breathe life into you. But that's a good thing. But also we've got a plan for the person that's breathing life into you in your practice. And we want to make sure that we stay consistent with, you know, what they, their plan was as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's exciting, you know, it's exciting to see that happen. And uh, it's a evolution thing as it changes, you kind of have to adapt with it and start to have those conversations right off the bat. And I think it's the same conversation, you know, that advisors are having with their clients, you know, as their world changes or they, you know, take on a second career, we want to make sure that we put a plan together that's that's flexible enough to, you know, handle both sides of it, but still, you know, creates the commitment from both the buyer and the seller. Yeah, no, for sure. That makes sense. And and I imagine there's a, a, a kind of a personality litmus test there, too, to trying to get the right uh, junior advisors with the right mentors. Um, Definitely. Yeah, we don't want the mentor that cold called and, you know, knocked on doors thinking that that's going to work for this next generation. Um, that's the thing that like actually puts them off, you know, and makes them scared about joining. So we've got to make sure that the, the succession plan makes sense from the standpoint of where that person is comfortable being a mentor. And um, but, you know, mentoring them into their practice and the things that they learned about being an advisor are some of the greatest teaching points that they can do. And then I always tell them, leave it to us as the back office to help them with all the other stuff. Um, you know, our work with APEG uh, to be able to give them those foundations of financial planning, but also for them to be part of a team or a class of peers that they can ask questions of, you know, those things are so important. And then just, you know, having the right custodial partners behind you, you know, to make, to make that all work, you know, it's no longer the individual advisor by themselves in the office. When you're building out a team, you know, it, it just creates such depth to your practice that people get really excited about it. Yeah, I'm not familiar with APEG. Tell me just quickly about them. What, 
what is that organization? It's it's probably a story that will go down as one of my funniest in my history. So I um, run the um, firm development department here at SBS Family. And uh, so we recruit advisors and that's what I've done for my whole life. Um, and um, I sat down with these advisors and it was right, you know, some consolidation. And so they were looking, you know, to switch broker dealers. And so they didn't choose us. They chose another firm because of the custodial platform. We were at Fidelity. They were already at Pershing. So they wanted to stay with Pershing. It made total sense to me. But we hit it off so well that a year later, you know, after they um, like a bad date where they're like, you're not right for me type of thing. Later they came back and said, hey, you know, we're a bunch of CFP instructors at colleges. And what we're finding is, you know, we're going through the CFP curriculum, but, you know, and we're getting a bunch of people taking the CFP, but they're just lost afterwards. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to team up. They don't know how to implement all the things that we've taught them, you know, in this designation. And so they created a group called um, Advanced Planning Education Group. And so it's a group of CFP instructors at one of our local universities here that um, are helping people that get into the CFP program or even not just into the industry and get licensed, helping them be part of a class of peers that are all learning implementation techniques. So now you have all the knowledge, you have all the licenses. Maybe you might meet somebody out in the field that wants to sit down and have a meeting with you. How do you structure a meeting? How do you go through what things they have? How do you get them to trust you, to hand that information over to you? And that was the one piece that I was missing because I had fidelity support and being helped to paying for the licenses. I had the universities that would let me get in there and help them. I have my advisors that are looking for succession plans, but I need to be able to help these new advisors when they when they come in, feel a part of something and be able to feel comfortable in a peer group, being able to ask questions and be able to work with seasoned advisors that can say, hey, this is, you know, I wish I would have learned this 20 years ago. And so we've been a partner with APEG now uh, for the last year. So it's very interesting because they're with another broker dealer. And um, we have this, you know, joke back and forth. I'm like, you know, it's like the bad date where I just keep going back (laughs) (laughs) to say, why didn't you pick me? You know, but the funny thing is, is that, you know, we haven't had that conversation about what their broker dealer is doing, but what it looks at from my standpoint is they see my vision and what I'm trying to do. And so the whole point is how much of an advocate are they for me? So when they're meeting with other advisors across the country, talking about their APEG program and bringing in the succession plans, you know, I'm one of their partners, you know, one of their early partners. So it's just amazing how this industry is so large, but so small and how you keep bumping into each other. But that's been a great partnership and I'm so excited for the future with them. Yeah, that's great. I not uh, that sounds like an interesting uh, model that maybe could be replicated elsewhere as well. Agreed. Um, I, I don't want to let you go without talking a little bit about uh, the uh, community service you all do that the judges recognized around uh, pro bono planning for military veterans. Yeah. Uh, tell me, tell us a little bit about uh, what you have going on there. Of course. Um, so it kind of goes in two different directions, but um, the main thing is we have a commitment to the veterans within within our organization. So most of our charitable giving 
uh, from the firm goes to different charities. And we sponsor a different one each year, but usually it's, um, you know, um, large organizations that are doing extra benefits for veterans and their families. Um, every, you know, organization has a different funding source or a different objective, but feel so passionate about in this firm is being able to give back to them. We feel as if they've given, you know, the ultimate sacrifice and um, the commitment to this to this country and to all of us without even meeting us that any chance we can get to be able to help um, is is important to us. And so the charities, you know, they range in a lot of different organizations throughout the country, but most of them are, um, you know, within regards to veterans, whether they've been injured or just looking for financial assistance and, um, you know, job placement or other organizations that unfortunately um, somebody, you know, lost a parent, you know, that was in the military. And then those children are looking, you know, to go to college and that. So we get excited because, you know, 60 to $100,000 a year we raise, you know, through our advisors and, you know, different things we're doing in the back office to be able to support those charities. But it's one of those things that when you're supporting the charities and doing those things, that something else kind of stands out to you along the way. And one of the things we found is that there's just not a lot of, um, you know, financial uh, advice available to somebody that just comes out of the military and they're looking for to start a family or be able to, you know, go into a civilian work, things like that. But being able to sit down with somebody that can help them look at what they've currently done, what future plans they have, and, you know, and how they can help. And so what we did was we partnered with our back office. So we offer um, at our VED, we offer the ability of having a case planning department. So it's something we're really passionate about, something we built 20 years ago for our advisors. We wanted them to build the relationship with their clients. And so we wanted to be their technician. We wanted to be the ones running their financial plans, doing the research for them, helping them um, create relationships with their clients. We wanted to do everything we could to make them look good. And I thought, man, we have this great team in our back office that helps our advisors every day put together these plans, budgets, anything that the client's looking for to be able to gain that person as a client. But how could we do that, you know, with, um, you know, people that have come out of the military? And so, you know, it's just something that kind of gets me right, you know, in my heart. Yeah. I'm just so proud of my back office team because they've offered out all of their services pro bono. So we go to, um, you know, local um, BFW chapters, things like that. And we, you know, just advertise that we're there, you know, to help mm-hmm. give you a chance to sit down with somebody that has no try to look for the word, but, you know, they're not going to receive anything from trying to help you other than, you know, that personal feeling of yeah, well, they're not trying to sell you something. Yeah, exactly. Everything we talk about in this industry, it's not that. It's about being able to sit across the table from somebody and help them to start planning their future out because they're going to be successful. And at one point, you know, they're probably going to need, you know, to be able to start working with an advisor to be able to help, you know, plan for 401ks and, you know, set things up with their family. And what better to get them started right off the bat that somebody's, you know, doesn't have a vested interest in, so to speak, making something off of them, but being able to other than just be able to help, you know, them start on that path. And when I brought this concept to our case planning team, they were just, 
extremely excited about it because they were like, oh, I would love this. You know, it's one of those things, you know, I've always thought about is being able to give out pro bono services, but where do you start and how do you advertise and do people think it's a gimmick, you know, or what I'm you know, and being able to do that and say, listen, you know, this is something we really want to be able to help you with. And there's no strings attached, you know, and the reason I think we've been successful with it is because of our support within regards to veterans charities, because I think they look at it and say, oh, these are people that are just, you know, good people that really just want to give back something. Because the way I look at it is, it kind of it finishes that circle off because every one of these individuals, you know, have given something to help make our life better. And now we can give something back to them, you know, to kind of complete that circle. So sure. And, and particularly a community that's uh, for a while there, there were numerous stories about the uh, uh, veterans who were either in some way exploited by the financial services industry and in, in some more nefarious corners of the, the industry or, uh, suffered unduly financially, I think even like a a raft of suicides amongst veterans has been prompted by financial considerations. And I think some organizations tried to address that. So this seems to be really kind of hitting the nail on the head in terms of where a need is and what you're able to provide. Yeah, well, I think, you know, they're part of the ultimate team, right? When they're in the military, you know, they're, you know, they work together, they learn how to do all of that stuff and, um, you know, rely on each other. And there's a lot of, you know, and then you come out, come out and get a job outside of the military and people just are like, oh, here's your 401k. Oh, we don't really help you with it. These are the options, you know, and oh, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. And they no longer feel like they're a part of a team anymore. Like it's a very individual feeling. And then, like you said, it's like making sure you're going to the right place, you know, that that people are vested in in helping you do that. And I and I think when I'm able to tell stories, especially to the next generation about stuff like this, it's stuff that gets them so excited because the generation that's coming out of college right now, they are thoughtful. They are committed and they you know, they People joke around and say, oh, they're this work-life balanced. Man, they're getting it right, right off the bat. They're like realizing like, hey, for me to be the best at what I'm doing, I need to have some balance in where I'm where I'm going with this stuff. But I also have to have that feeling of fulfillment. And fulfillment doesn't always come in the form of money. It actually comes in the feeling of helping people. And and the reason I feel comfortable saying that is because I have a 20 year old and I know exactly how he thinks some days. Um, but I see what he wants in life is, you know, is, is just to help people. And he's like, it's not really about the money of being in this industry. He's like, I've just heard you for years talking to people on the phone or, you know, and I see these clients that show up, you know, at my graduations and things like that, you know, they're part of our family because you've made them that way. And he's like, your industry doesn't excite me because of the money. It excites me because I feel like you have a vested interest interest, you know, and the people that you're working with, helping them succeed. And I think when you team that up with like the military and that they do feel like then you're part of their team, you know, and you're trying to help them, um, you know, make those make those tough decisions. And I think then that becomes for our industry, that becomes work-life balance then because we're able to provide something that we're passionate about, but we're able to give it to somebody and help their life. And that that balance at the end, when you go home at night and you've done something like that for somebody, 
that, that, that pays off than anything else that you can do from, you know, building your AUM. It's just like, and I made a difference today. No, for sure. Yeah. Helping somebody. And it's like you said, it, the statistics around people in the military, um, the suicide rates, the financial issues, the health issues, it's just, it's just sad. And it's something that we want to be able, and, and I know what we're doing is very small, but I know that it's infectious. And the more you talk about it with the next gen or just out, you know, in conversations like this today, people, people find small ways you know, to do things that create sustainable things that actually develop into, you know, much bigger platforms. So I'm hoping to be, you know, a small part of that. Yeah, well, Jennifer, I think more than a small part, I think what you and Sigma Financial are doing uh, in both of these areas are really important and and having a huge impact. So you're definitely to be commended for that. You know, we thank you uh, from from us for, for your efforts. This has been great. We are out of time. Uh, Jennifer, thanks so much for being here. I want to thank you for talking with us today. Oh, definitely. I always appreciate the time. I look forward to seeing you in person here, what, like September or October? September. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're going to make it happen. It's gonna we be, are going to make it happen. You know, vaccine willing, we're going to make it happen. <laughs> It looks good. It looks good so far. I think it's going to happen. So, but yeah, I look forward to seeing you too there. Uh, Thanks very much for joining us today. Jennifer Baccarella is the director of firm development at Sigma Financial. And I'm David Armstrong, hoping you have a great day and you'll join us next time on the Wealthies podcast. This content has been made for information and educational purposes only. The views and opinions represent the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of wealthmanagement.com.